on YouTube or on Facebook, we welcome you as well. If you would turn to John chapter 2, verse 1. And um, if you put that in the, yeah, leave it in King James. We're going to go to the message next, so let's leave it in King James for now. <clears throat> Look at somebody and tell them, quit having entanglements. <laughs> Look at somebody else, tell them the same thing, quit having entanglements. <laughs> We're about to have some fun tonight. <laughs> Some of you don't know why certain people are laughing, <laughs> but praise the Lord. And the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. When they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. If you put that in the message Bible, please. Verse 1 through 4. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also when they started running low on wine. At the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, they are just about out of wine. Jesus said, is that any of our business, mother, yours or mine? This isn't my time. And then he responds with, don't push me. We have been talking over the last few weeks about uh, understanding what to throw away and what to keep. Yes, sir. We have been talking about uh, discerning and understanding the measure of faith. And if you want to get your faith to work, there are certain things you're going to have to uh, begin to avoid or get rid of or get out of, which is important because here they have run out of wine. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that's their problem. That's... They haven't judged the situation correctly. They haven't planned properly. And now because of their lack of planning, their lack of counting properly, they now want Jesus to fix something that is not his problem. And his mother says, you know, they're running low on wine. And he's like, what does that got to do with me? Oftentimes people around you have misplanned, and then they want you to pick up the slack. They spent their money when they got their stimmy check on zebra steaks, and then now they have nothing left, and they want to borrow money from you. Or they begin to tell you about the problems that they are now incurring financially uh, because they have mishandled their money. Now what they want to do is they want to shift things onto your faith plate that should have never been there yes, in the first place. Yes. Why are you so quiet? <laughs> right. 
you, you have to begin to understand that people's lack of preparation, people's lack of planning, uh, do not constitute an emergency on your part. And what they will tend to do is give you such a great and wonderful story, and they'll try to guilt you into taking on, and what you must understand is faith is a zero-sum game. Uh, zero sum means that when you win on one side, you lose on the other side. It, it is not, you can't do both. You have to be able to utilize your faith on the things that are important, number one, to God, and number two, important to you. God has a plan uh, for your life, and God has purposes and pursuits and things that he wants to accomplish in your life. And how many of you know it's going to take your faith to get there? If he says that is impossible uh, to please God without faith, then how many of you know that that must be extremely important? One of the reasons why uh, people seem to uh, be unable to get certain things to manifest in their life by faith is because their faith is spread too thin on things that don't matter. Or let me say it to you this way, on things that should not be there. Are, are you are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, we know Jesus was given the anointing uh, without measure. So he wasn't saying, I'm not doing this because I can't. He's saying, this has got nothing to do with me. In other words, everything that God told him to do, he said, the only things you see me do is what the Father tells me to do. So he has a focus and a mind that is diligent about the things he's supposed to accomplish, and everything else is noise. Sometimes we have got to learn how to categorize the requests and the things that come at us, uh, because as Christians, people will kind of leverage your Christianity against you when it's in their benefit. Uh, When you want to preach the gospel to them or you invite them to church, they don't want to hear nothing you have to say. But the moment they need to borrow $50, all of a sudden you're a Christian and you should do the right thing. But as a Christian, I'm supposed to invite you to church. I'm supposed to bring you with me and begin to expand the kingdom. But we don't want to talk about that. What we want to talk about is how you need a babysitter last minute and you need me to do X, Y, and Z. Are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> look at somebody tell them, quit having entanglements. <laughs> Philippians, <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. <clears throat> Put that in the, in the uh, message Bible, please. But for right now, I'm dispatching Epaphroditus, my good friend and companion in my work. You sent him to help me out. Now I'm sending him to help you out. He has been wanting in the worst way to get back with you, especially since recovering from the illness you heard about. He's been wanting to get back and reassure you that he is just fine. He nearly died, as you know, but God had mercy on him and not only on him, but he had mercy on me, too. His death would have been a huge grief piled on top of all the others. In other words, all the stuff I got going on, I just couldn't handle him dying on me. 
So you can see why I'm so delighted to send him to you. When you see him again, strong and strapping, how you'll rejoice and, and how relieved I'll be. Give him a grand welcome, a joyful embrace. People like him deserve the best you can give. Remember the, the ministry to me that you started, but you weren't able to complete. Well, in the process of finishing up that work, he put his life on the line and nearly died doing it. See, a lot of times people think that what they expend, God will make up the difference. Without asking God, should I have done this? So here, Epaphroditus is being sent back, uh, and he says he nearly died. And he died doing the work. I need you to pay attention to that. He said he set in to finish what you wouldn't finish. You started, but you didn't finish it. And he stepped in to fill in the gap for you, and it nearly about killed him. See, a lot of people don't understand when you are scheduled to do something. You're scheduled to be on praise and worship. You're scheduled to serve in the sound booth. You're scheduled to serve in kids. You're scheduled to do whatever it is. And you don't show up. You've left an opening that somebody else has to fill. And now when they have to fill it, it eats away at a portion of their faith to have to step in and do it. Well, isn't there an anointing there for it? Yeah, there is. But he almost killed himself. No, I need you to see that because a lot of people think, well, if I'm doing, you know, if I'm doing the work, not what God told me to do, but I'm just doing something for God. He'll just pick up the difference when I've expended myself beyond my measure. When I've gotten there outside of where I should be, then all of a sudden God will just go ahead and make that up for me. So I can do all kinds of things, live all kinds of willy nilly, do all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, God will just make up the difference. We're here. This guy right here about died. Doing the work, mind you. <laughs> See, God is not going to pick up the slack and the difference for what you mismanage. That's why the Bible says the body is for the Lord. So when God gave you a body, that body belongs to him. He is the temple or he is inside of you and you are the temple. And so he requires you to take care of. I, I remember um, Warren Buffett was talking to a group of students. And he said, let me say it to you this way. And he said, if you were able to have one car all of your life, any car you want, it don't care how expensive it is. I don't care how nice it is. I don't care how cheap it is. I don't care how big it is, how small it is. Any car in the world, you could have it right now, but you got to have it for the rest of your life. What would you choose? And of course, a lot of students thought about it and they all, started rattling off, you know, different high-end cars that they would love to have. And he said, well, that's your body. You got one car, one body, and you keep it for the rest of your life. How do you treat it? <laughs> See, because you can overextend, and then now you're dependent upon the mercy of God. To get you out of what common sense, proper planning. It, 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 is, it is amazing to me how many people do not plan properly and then think that an emergency on their part constitutes an emergency on my part. It's like, no, you didn't handle that well. 
So now you're going to come drop that off in my lap. And you know what I do? <laughs> here, here, here's something we teach at the uh, Leadership Success Masterclass that we do. When people try to put their monkey on your back, you know what you do? You push it back and you say, I'm sure you'll figure it out. It works. Because, see, what people are doing is they tell you their problems because they're waiting for you to jump in with a solution. They tell you all the things that are going wrong because they're baiting you in. And here's the thing. When you are believing God for big things, when you are believing God for your family, when you're believing God for the things that God has asked you to do, when you're believing God for the things that you're called to do and you're purposing to do, you don't have the ability to put all of that on hold to then deal with the nonsense of people who couldn't plan their lives properly, who couldn't think it all the way through, who didn't put forth the effort that was needed in order to get it done. And if you're not careful, your kids your family, your friends will do this because they know that when all hell breaks loose, they're going to come to you. They might make fun of you. They might laugh at you. They might make snide remarks. But when all hell has broken loose in their life, you are the first person they call. Why? Because they know that your faith will produce. But they don't think that the moment I put my faith over here for you, I have to sacrifice what God has called me to do. I've got to stay focused on the things that are before and forget the stuff that's behind. I can't allow my head to be consumed with the things that you want to put on my plate. Look at Matthew 6.34. If y'all have the good news translation, put Matthew 6.34. Actually, do 6.33, just because I like it. And then we'll go to 34. My assumption is you must not have the good news translation. I thought we had this conversation. <laughs> but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Now watch what he says. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That doesn't necessarily give you an adequate understanding. So let me read it to you out of the Good News Translation. You ready? So don't worry about tomorrow. It will have enough worries of its own. There is no need to add to the troubles each day brings. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, and don't worry about tomorrow. Because the more you focus on the things that are not at hand, he said, you're adding trouble to yourself. See, he said, God will add all these things to you. Right? All the things that Gentiles seek. Y'all know that. He says, but don't add trouble. God will add the blessings. God will add the things you need. You seek him first, he'll add all that stuff. But don't be worried about tomorrow. He said, because tomorrow has enough of its own issues. And your supply can only deal with today. Because once you start adding stuff that's out of your control, I, I got to get you to understand the faith plate. Because you don't have an unlimited measure of faith. You have X amount of faith that you have, and that's it. 
And when you are wasting it on things that are out of your control, when you are wasting it on things that are coming down the pike, you're wasting it on things that have nothing to do with you. Now you're wondering why when you really need to believe God, you don't have nothing there because you are worried about stuff that you should not even be thinking about. You are considering things that were never a part of the plan for you. You are dealing with people's stuff that is their problem, their junk, and it should be on their plate, not yours. He said, tomorrow has its own trouble. I remember when uh, Dad Hagen was talking about when he was coming up in ministry and his wife came to him and she said, honey, we need new drapes for the house. And he said, I'm believing God for the bills for this house. He said, I'm traveling. I'm believing God for these debts and bills. And he laid them all out and he says, honey, I got nothing else. If I try to hang... Listen to what he said. Please pay very close attention. He said, if I try to hang your drapes on my faith, all of it will come crashing down. The ministry, the other bills, the house payments, car payments, all the things that he's already believing God for. He said, if I hang your drapes on it, all of it comes crashing down. He said, so if you want drapes, you're going to have to put it on your own faith. And, of course, she got her drapes, by the way. But she got it with her faith, not with his. This is his wife. See, I want you to understand, because a lot of times, particularly when you're unequally yoked, you're believing God for things that your spouse is not. And they'll come to you trying to put it on your plate When y'all are supposed to be working together, there are things that you're going to have to say, you know what, honey, you got to put that on your faith. You have to believe God for that because I'm dealing with this. Or I have to give you one of these (laughs) so that I can free up some room to take that. Are you starting to kind of see where I'm going? This is why you got to quit getting mixed up in entanglements. Watch this, Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verse uh, 13. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. You know, it's amazing to me how if I'm talking to you about something and I say, listen... There's one thing that I do. What am I telling you? That's the most important thing. Right? That's why I'm telling you this is the one thing that you need to hear. He says, this is the one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are and reaching unto those things which are. Keep going. I press towards the mark. You know, press means there's a resistance. I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. Why? Because anytime you're going to try to forget those things which are behind and you're going to try to move forward, there's always a resistance to that. He explains a little bit further in Philippians 4 
Actually, let's go to um, Hebrews 12, verse 1. If you can put in the Amplified Classic. Look what he says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Go to Hebrews 11.1 1, real quick. Because I want to give you just a little bit of context. Because you know Hebrews 11.1 1 comes before Hebrews 12. <laughs> right? Okay. You got you to clarify these type of things. Because, you know, this is the type of thing you learn in Bible college. You learn context. Because if you pull a scripture out without this context, then you miss the full meaning of the scripture. So, Hebrews 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or in the Amplified, it says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as a real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So now, this is starting what is called the Hall of Faith. If you read through the book of Hebrews, chaps, particularly chapter 11, you will find the Hall of Faith. Just like you find the Hall of Fame, there's the Hall of Faith. And the Hall of Faith is all of the highly successful, faith-filled people that their faith produced for them. He lays them all out. And he gives you the Hall of Fame of faith. All the great faith people. Are you with me? So then, 12.1. He says, seeing that we have surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses of what? Who have accomplished great faith things. People who have done great faith wonders. They're witnesses. What does a witness do? It testifies of what has happened. Right? You call a witness to the stand, what do they do? They tell you what happened. If the witness didn't see it themselves or hear it themselves, it's called hearsay and it's dismissed. So the qualification of a witness is they have to have seen it and done it for them. Who have done what? Born testimony to the truth. Let us strip off. This is the part I want you to see. And throw aside every entanglement. Unnecessary. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly. I want you to pay attention to clever. Because you know what clever is? Clever is when, when Adam was deceived by Eve. It wasn't clever. He knew what he was supposed to do. She did the opposite, told him to do it. He followed along. Nothing clever about that. When Satan deceived Eve, that was clever. He played that game perfectly. So then when you think about clever, I need you to be un understand trickery, schemes, plans, how Satan will just work it. You, you struggling because you don't like being alone. Then he'll bring somebody into your life that should have never been there in the first place. And because you're alone and you now see this person, you think I'm supposed to be with this person. And he trips up your whole relationship with God because of how it was handled. It's clever. You are struggling financially, and, and, and all of a sudden, you lose your job. And then all of a sudden, bills start stacking up. Then all of a sudden, this starts coming. You start freaking out. It was a strategy. You fell into it. You literally fell into a clever plan. 
You are driving down the street. You see her standing on the corner. She's crossing in front of you. She is everything you thought you ever wanted. Now you desire more than you should have ever thought about. You don't know nothing about her. You don't know if she believes in God, loves God, fears God, has anything related to God. All you see is 36, 24. And now you are in a... Let us throw aside every, stay with me, entanglement, an unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and does what? And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set. He said, the sin that so easily besets us. In other words, the things that are there to entangle us. Remember he said, I press towards the mark of the high calling of God. See, why do I have to press? I have to press because there's always encumbrances and unnecessary weight. See, if I'm running a, a race, when... when you know, my wife and I, we, we love to uh, swim every morning. That's part of our, our morning exercise and workout routine. So we swim. And so we have these little parachutes uh, that are various sizes that we strap around our waist when we go to swim. And the parachute gives a resistance in the water so that when you're swimming without it, you don't feel a thing and you're gone. But you put this thing on. I don't care how hard you push off. That sucker catches and slows you down. And now you're fighting against the resistance, and it's a part of training. So what I want you to understand is I can't go as fast with the weight that so easily entangles me. And so what Satan loves to do is to get you entangled in your faith race so you can't move as fast as you used to move. So he'll bring people into your life that'll slow your walk down. They'll slow your faith down. He'll bring friends. He'll bring family. He'll bring spouses. He'll bring things that should have never been there in the first place. So when I go to take off, they're there purposely to grab a hold and to easily beset their unnecessary weight. Now I got to carry you everywhere I go. Come here, Mike. Jump on my back. Well, now, do you have any idea what it feels like to have to preach and live and walk around carrying somebody who should be walking in their own faith? Everywhere you go, struggling. Oh my God, this is heavy. Can I believe God for a house? No. Can I believe God for a car? No. Hey, can you help me? No. Thank you, sir. Your job is to keep those entanglements. You can't move as fast. That's what he's telling you. Lay aside every weight. That tries to easily beset us. Because he said, I can't press. I can't press towards the mark with you on my back. I don't mind carrying you if I got to for a little bit of time. But are we supposed to be in this thing together? 
Put it in the, in the King James, please. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Keep going. Looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured despising the, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Keep going. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Notice how he's going into, this is how Jesus did it. Put, in the, put it back in the message, or, or amplify it. That's where we were, right? Because I really need you to see this. Let's go back to verse 1, or verse 2 rather. There it is. Looking away from what? Entanglements. Looking away from all that will distract to what? Who is the leader and the source of our faith. Giving first incentive for our belief. And is also its finisher. Bringing it to maturity and perfection. He for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him did what? Endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep going. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition, bitter hostility against himself, reckon up and consider it all in a comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, and relaxing and fainting in your minds. Verse 4. You have not struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. Yet and still, how did Jesus get there? He focused... <laughs> It says, don't let the things distract you. See, even in conversations, people will distract you. I'm often having to bring people back to the subject. Don't take me off to here. Because, see, that's one of the techniques of people who like to argue. They, they, they level shift. Level shift is a sales technique. I can't argue on this point, so I'm going to talk to you about this. What's my mama got to do with this? See, talented people who can't win their arguments will try to level shift you to talk about something else right. to get you distracted. Right. When you're a focused person, you're like, you know what? We're not going to, no, let's come back here. Right. Let's stay here. Because all you're trying to do is distract me. That's right. 
well, you know, I don't understand why we don't hang out like we used to. Because all you do is distract me. You want to hang out and go to the bar. I want to hang out and go to church. So if you want to come with me to church, come on. Oh, no, oh, you don't, don't want to do that? Oh, you want me to come? Oh, okay. Distraction. Go back to verse 2 or 3. Verse 2. Looking away from all that will distract. Because if you're not going to keep your eyes on Jesus, that's why you're sinking. And and I've never seen it so prevalent than in today's society. People have no idea they've ignored God. And then they wonder, then they want to come back to God after they've ignored Him. And they wonder why things just seem not to be... Their race has been slowed down. (laughs) Can you imagine what it would be like if we were in a relay race? And all of a sudden, somebody decides, i got to go to the bathroom. You got the baton, so you go, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back, y'all. See, by the time you get back, you may race again, but it won't be that one. And, and I can guarantee you, if a coach sees you doing that kind of crazy stuff, you probably won't be racing for a while. Because you have lost your focus. And he said, just like Jesus endured the bitterness, the attack, the animosity, the hurt, to the extent of shedding his own blood. You ain't never been there. You haven't shed your blood. But yet and still, he's telling you, this is how you do it. This is how you run your race. You shake off the sin that easily besets you. You shake off the nonsense that tries to slow you down. I'm not going to play with anything that's going to slow down my race. If you Listen, if we got to have conversations about going to church, me and you can't be together. I, we, we don't even talk about that. That's just, that's given. Are you understand what I'm saying? Because what does that do? That slows me down. Now I got, I got a spouse that, that don't even think church is important but yet talks about glorifying God. i die for my faith, but you won't go to church for it? Yeah. Ain't nobody asked you to die. Jesus handled that. <laughs> let, me find, let me find something. <laughs> Let's go to that page. Let's go to Philippians 4. Four, four. Ooh, money. Praise the Lord. I am under the impression that my iPad produces money. <coughs> I just ain't figured out what the sequence is to keep it doing it on its own. There must be a set of buttons I can push to make this thing happen, but <coughs> I ain't quite figured that out yet. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, keep going. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. <clears throat> and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through what? Now, <clears throat> he's beginning to explain to you how to keep your hearts. Right? Keep going. Finally, brethren. You know, anytime somebody says finally, it's like, you know what? Okay, listen. This is my last thing. I want to tell you. You, you do realize that if you was in love, right? You know, y'all Twitter paid it. Y'all in love, right? Nobody can do anything wrong. You, you know how it is, right? You know that stage, right? And then y'all have to be separated for a while. So she's on one coast, you're on the other coast. So y'all write letters to each other, right? When you get that letter, you don't get it and, and treat it like it's nothing, yeah. right? Because that's a representation of the person. So when you get this letter, you're reading it, and you're like, oh, this is so wonderful, and they love me so much, and you know, you know how y'all act, right? <laughs> and so, and then, you know, when they finish their letter, they say, and finally, right, because that's the good part. It's like a concert. You know, when a concert, you know what they do, right? How the concert starts and how it ends is the most important things. It's the book ends. Everything in between is not that important because how it starts will get you excited and how it ends will leave the memory in your, in your mind. So finally, my truest love, <laughs> Mia Moore, my little babushka. <laughs> so he's writing this letter to the church of Philippi and he's saying, finally, my brethren, Whatsoever things are, 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 whatsoever things are of, if there be any virtue, if there be any, do what? Notice what he's telling you to do. <clears throat> he's telling you to control your mind. Verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, now that the last your care of have me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect to want, for I have learned, that in whatsoever state I am, therefore with be, or therewith be content. I know both how to obey, and I know how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Everybody shouts, I can do all things with Christ, which strengthens me. They can say that all day long, but they never say the part where he said, I am not speaking to you because I have a desire or want. He said, because I've learned that no matter what the situation is, to abase or to abound, I've learned to keep focus. Because that's what he's talking about. I've learned to stay focused. Because have you ever noticed that even people who say they're for you seem to come at the wrong time and want to say the wrong thing? You facing the worst situation 
And the first thing they say is, see, I told you so. You know what? For real? You got five seconds. Ain't nobody needed you in that moment. But you just happened to be there. They just happened to conveniently be in the right place at the wrong time. And you have no idea it's an entanglement. You have no idea it's to get your mind off of what is lovely, what is pure, what is just. He said, think on these things. How do you keep the peace? You let the peace of God rule. How do you let the peace of God work in you? Thinking on the right things, being focused on the right things. That's why when you get around the, around the wrong people, their whole point is to get you to think the wrong way. You ever been with somebody who transfers their energy? You having a great day, right? You just, I love you, Lord, and I live my heart. And you get around somebody, and they are mad like a viper. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, and, and, and they work in you. And then, finally, they've gotten their energy transferred to you. So now you're walking around looking for, for somebody to pop in the mouth. And they're walking around, I love you. You're like, you know, I will smack the shatalaboto. Really? Really? That's, that's how we do this? See, what they allowed, what you allowed them to do. He said, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord. He said, the things that I have learned and received, verse 9, and heard, seen me do, the God of peace shall be with you. In other words, what you have been taught, what you have learned, those are the things you've got to focus on. Whatsoever things be true, whatsoever things be lovely. See, because there's sometimes, boy, when, when you go through, there have been times, I'll speak for myself, that way I have to pick on none of y'all. I have been through situations in my life where I can't be around people. People want to be around, I cannot. I cannot because I've got to stay focused. The fight is too great. I'm fighting for my life. I don't have time for naysayers. I don't have time for doubt peddlers. I don't have time for people who don't really care. I don't have time for people who all they are is on assignment to try to destroy me. I'm at a place where I have hit that point where I've got to stay focused on whatsoever things that I have learned, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure. Baby, I don't have time to play games with you. I don't have time. Well, you don't talk to me. I don't have time to talk to you right now. I'm in the midst of a battle. I am fighting for some things. My faith has to work. I don't have time to get entangled. With your rigmarole, your nonsense. You've been doing this same petty nonsense since we was 18. When do we grow up? When does it stop being my problem? He's telling you, you got to control your mind. You want the peace of God to work, you got to control your mind. You want your faith to produce, I got to control my mind. I cannot allow you to take me different places. I just can't do it. That just seems insensitive. No, it's focus. It's focus. See, and in the day, an age that we live in, where Sesame Street is two minutes segments, right? It keeps changing. 
to keep you at a place where you have grown up to learn that everything's got to change. We've lost our focus. When now you're on the internet and it's designed to clickbait you, you go on there to research something extremely important. You know, you want to know uh, First Philippians, you know, what that was all about. And you go to, you know, the website that tells you the Bible and off to the side. The 10 biggest houses ever known to man. And so you, oh, I'm, I'm reading scriptures. <laughs> 10 biggest houses. Reading the scriptures. 10 biggest houses. I want to know what the 10 biggest houses. <laughs> Click. Done. Your attention is gone. And then, and then they never just put all 10. Right? Click this one. Then click this. Five pop-ups come up. Click this one. Five more pop-ups come up. You blink and two hours have gone by. Focus is a premium. I've said this to you before. I'm going to tell you again. That's why I have an analog watch. I know some of y'all love your little Apple watches. Do what you do. But Apple watches, to me, they're too invasive. They get too personal. Talking about you're moving too fast, your heart rate's up. Mind your business. Okay? You, you are a product. Should we alert somebody? You have an appointment in five minutes. Someone's calling you. Look, you just got a text message. Hey, here's an email. Bing! This one don't say nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's all, I, I, I'm trying to get you to see the powder keg you're in all the time. Because you're wondering why your faith doesn't produce like you want it to. Dad Hagen made a statement one time that I thought was very interesting. He said, now, now again, please pay attention. He said, when I learned how to pray, he said, I never had a prayer unanswered from that moment forward. Amen. Think about what he just said. Amen. He said, when I learned how to pray, he said, I never had not one prayer not answered since. Yes. Okay. Come on. See, some of you, 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 you're, you're too entangled to create or to have your faith function well. You're too entangled because you want to know what Sister So-and-So is going through. So, so you call and you, oh, I saw you at church today and you didn't seem happy. Is everything okay? And you have conversations with people. That really is gossip. Y'all yeah, want to know the definition of gossip? You don't want to know, do you? <laughs> Just humor me. Say yes, we want to know. Okay. It's having a conversation with someone that you are not a principal in or you have no authority over. So if A is talking about B and you are not A or B, you are gossiping. If A and B is having a problem and you have no authority in their life, spiritually nor domestically, you are gossiping. Well, I just, you know, I just thought I could help. No, you just thought you could entangle yourself. And then you wonder why you can't think of what's lovely and what's pure because you're thinking about their problem they just laid on you. 
And now they feel better about their problem, not because the problem has been solved, but because they have adequately vented. <laughs> I'm going to tighten up on my backstroke. Let me get out of that. Let me get out of that all together. Ready? Colossians 3.16. Some of y'all looking at me like an old cow staring at a new fence. And you forget I ain't been saved that long. So, <clears throat> Verse 316, Colossians 316, you ready? Let the word of Christ dwell in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what that means? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Look, this, you want to know how you study your Bible? I'll give you a real quick crash lesson. You ready? You take a scripture. Maybe God reveals a scripture to you. You go to it, and you start word by word. Let. You know what let means? Permit. If you don't let it, that means you can stop it. If he tells you to let something happen, that means by your volition, you could shut it down or open it up. The word. Which word? The word of Christ. What's the word of Christ? The word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. Y'all still with me? Dwell. What does dwell mean? <clears throat> Any of y'all live in a building of some sort? House? Apartment? Anything? You live in it? Okay. You know That means you dwell in it. When you're in the house, are you outside of it? You're in it. You dwell. That's where you hang out most of your time. That's where you sleep. That's where you rest. You dwell in it. That's what dwell means. Where are you supposed to dwell? Right, because the word's supposed to dwell in you, right? Okay. And then it says richly. <laughs> you know what richly means? You, you, ever, you ever eat something dessert-wise? And it's so sweet and make your teeth rot right, right then and there. <laughs> like you go into diabetic shock right then and there. And you're like, man, this is so rich. <laughs> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To the point where you take a bite of that scripture, you're like, ooh, this is rich. So I'm going to have to eat this a little bit at a time. My, my, my wife is not a sweets person. I'm a sweets person. You can tell by our size differences. <laughs> but I'm working on being delivered from sweets. So it annoys me because she can get, you know, the little haagen -Dazs? Not this one. This one. No, I'm talking about that real itty-bitty that I could just, it's like popping a chiclet. <clears throat> she can work that thing for a couple weeks. I ain't kidding. She'll go in the refrigerator. There's a little scoop. <laughs> I'm looking at this thing like, you got about 10 of them? <laughs> See, <clears throat> what I'm trying to tell you is, if, you're dwelling, if it dwells in you richly, see, you, you're taking just little... Bits. It might take you two weeks on that one, just that one, because there's something in there God's trying to tell you. Yeah. 
That's how you study your Bible. See, you just, you, you, some of you just like, well, you know, an hour's gone by, it's time to move on to something else. Because I've just been here too long. What if you haven't gotten all the richness out of it? There's times where I'll just be, a scripture will just be going over and over and over. Over and over and over. Same thing. Over and over and over. Day. A week. There's been times it's been a month. Just the same thing. Over and over and over again. He's talking to me. And I'm getting all of it that I can get out of it. In all what? Wisdom. What is wisdom? How to apply knowledge. So if I let the word dwell in me richly, he'll give me the way to apply it. Notice what he says. Teaching and admonishing one another in what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. See, that's when, when people, you know, they, they, they approach you. And they're like, oh, I, I got to tell you what happened. And you're like, I love you, Lord, and I lift my heart to worship you, oh, my soul. They're like, what are you doing? I'm just singing what's up. Oh, let me tell you what happened. I love you, Lord. See, because as I'm driving down the street and somebody cuts me off, and I want to show them that they're number one in my life. I love you, Lord, and I lift, not your fingers, but my mouth, my voice, to worship you. I'm trying to show you how to get the victory. He said, letting psalms and spiritual songs, and, and you're singing unto the Lord. <laughs> See, then, then, you know, your kids come home. <clears throat> And they acted all kinds of crazy. <laughs> and, and you just like, my faith needs to work. I'm believing for too many things. So, so it, it just, it, it, it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the inside. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I get so excited, just can't. He's a present help in my time of trouble. Listen, bill collector calls. <laughs> ring, ring, hello? Can I speak to, and you know, they always butcher your name. That's how you know they're a bill collector. <laughs> <coughs> and, and they start talking about your bills. You know what you do? Again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. They'll be talking to Tony in a minute, dial tone. Because <laughs> <clears throat> I'm trying to show you what Paul was talking about when he said this is how you have to stay centered. This is how you press towards the mark. Because all of these things are timed perfectly. They're always timed per. If you think about it, <clears throat> they're always timed in such a way. This happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Husband gets into it with his wife, fighting, he goes to work. As soon as he gets to work, secretary. Oh, you know, look happy today. Yeah, it's just been a rough morning. 
You know what? I'll take you out to lunch. The devil is a lie. You better shut that heifer down. It's a part of the plan. And it's designed to get you. See, he started the fight to open the door. And see, by the time you realize what happened, it's the book that got Bubba cooked. Because now you are done. You are in an Do I have to preach this all over again? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Somebody's like, no. <laughs> Was it that bad the first time? Colossians 3, 1. Look at what he says. There it is. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are. Put in the NLT for me. Quickly. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor. <clears throat> Put it in the uh, NIV. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Notice what he says. Set your hearts on the things above. One translation says think about these things. Your hearts is your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. It says since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above or to get your mind, will, and emotions on the things of Christ. Keep going. <coughs> Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, <coughs> not on... Verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You ever notice, <coughs> a lot of people don't understand when it comes to ministry, and I'll just give you this, it's hard to explain until you live it, but I'm going to try to give you a glimpse real quick. A lot of people don't understand why there's a lot of things I don't want to get myself tied up in. It's an entanglement for me. So when we deal with natural, because the more natural things you deal with, the less heavenly minded you can be. And so I've learned that, for example, when uh, Reverend Ricky and Pastor Sally come, which they will be here uh, tomorrow, I believe, and they'll be preaching Friday night. But <clears throat> we try to take care of everything we can naturally. We know what they eat for breakfast. We know what kind of coffee they drink. We know what they want in their coffee. Uh, we have all the things in the natural that we know of. We do it ahead of time. So that when they get here, they don't have to put their mind on natural things. So that they can stay, verse 2, setting the mind on things above. <clears throat> See, people don't understand that. They don't understand, you know, when you say to them, can I just do a be honest? I, I, I'm almost out of time. So can I just do a real quick be honest for a moment? <clears throat> you have to really think about what you're trying to accomplish in life and what's worth your time and what isn't. Because if you are one of those people 
that you'll go out on a Saturday and spend 10 hours washing your car when you could take it somewhere for 20 bucks? You haven't set your mind on things that are of a higher uh, uh, realm. <clears throat> because the more natural things, more earthly things that I set my mind on, this is why we have Ministry of Helps. This is why we have so many people doing so many different things. It's so that when I come out here, I'm coming with only things that are from People think you can do it all. You can't do it all. It about killed Epaphroditus. So when you learn that your faith is, is spendable and there's a measure to it, faith is the substance of things hoped for. If it's a substance, it can be measured. And if it can be measured, I don't have the ability to spend my faith on trying to figure out where water comes from. Every bit of faith that I recover by letting someone else deal with earthly things, I'm allowed to set my mind on the things that are above. So when you're believing God for big things, you better learn that some of the stuff you got your mind, some of these earthly things that you keep letting yourself get in is taking away your ability to believe God. You over here, like, doing stuff that, seriously? People are like, well, you know, got to do this. You got to, I expect my wife to clean the house. I expect my, I don't expect my wife to clean the house. If she does, that's great, but she, I don't, that's not what I expect. I expect her to be my wife. Amen. That's what I want. <clears throat> I believe God for the money to hire a maid which I have and do. Because I want her as my wife. I want her to know me like Adam knew. <clears throat> Never mind. <clears throat> Cause y'all, y'all, that's grown folk discussion. Because see, I see the housework as an entanglement. <laughs> that's an entanglement to me. It's easier for me to believe God for the money than it is to have to not have the time. Because I have to set my mind on the things which are and not on the earthly things. Because the less I have to worry about here, the greater the revelation. If people have wondered how we... Uh, when we teach, we teach with such revelation, how we uh, expand on things with God and how we get it. Number one, it's because of you, because you're pulling. But you can't get what ain't there. <laughs> well, you know, I just don't think it's all that. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather put my money in other things. Well, then you do what you want to do. But for me, I'm always trying to get out of as many earthly things as I can, as many natural stuff as I can. Because I want to set my mind on the things which are above. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I want God to be able to speak to me freely. People are like, well, how come God always talks to me when I'm in the shower? It's because you're quiet. God has no propensity toward seeing you in the shower. Some of us, he don't even want to see us in the shower. He's in there like this. Let me talk to you for a minute. 
You think he's in the shower and he's not anywhere else? No, it's because you're quiet. So, so then you begin to try to live a life where you set your mind on the things above. And when you're able to do that, your, your relationship changes, your faith level grows, your ability uh, uh, to handle things is so much more different because you're not so focused on the natural things that are eating up your faith. When people come to me and are like, hey, would you believe God for me for $20? No. No, I'm not. Here's what I'm fitting to do. Here's your $20. We are not, I'm not going to believe God for something that's in my pocket. I already got it. That's a message. You're not going to get my faith entangled over something I have in my pocket. You might as well just, here, look. There you go. <laughs> go wax strong and be great. Because I understand this principle. Let me take one more place. Uh, Mark 1, 32. Mark 1, 32. <clears throat> and at even, when the sun did set, even is evening, uh, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with the devils and all the city were gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. He didn't have a blowout meeting, y'all. People didn't got healed. Devils is cast out. He didn't have one of them you know, I'm talking about people stacked up like cordwood, people running around the building, all kinds of craziness, people getting healed, all kinds of miracles are happening. The next morning, he still gets up early. <laughs> Never mind. All the disciples are coming, and they're looking for him. And they said, they finally found me like, Jesus, everybody, all men are looking for you. And Jesus says, Oh, okay, let's go find out what they want. <laughs> I need y'all to see it, y'all. Are y'all getting this? He didn't have a blowout meeting. People, I mean, all over the place. They're looking for him. They find him. Jesus, all men are looking for you. Most of us would have been like, oh, all men? Are looking for moi? Well, let's go find out what they want. Jesus is like, no, no, it's time to move on. Let's go to the next place. Focus. Focus. I'm on my assignment. I'm not getting entangled. I forgot. Why are they looking for me? You don't remember what happened last night? I forgot those things were behind and pressed towards We done did, that's yesterday's news. We done been there, done that. We got the t-shirt. I'm ready to move on. But they're all looking for you. They need you. A lot of people need me. I'm not moved by need. I'm moved by faith. If God was moved by need, there would be no poverty in the world. 
If, if God was moved because you have a need, there would be no poverty on the earth. So then what is the reason why God would move? Because of faith. He's no respecters of persons. He doesn't have anything towards you, whether you are male, female, Jew, Greek, black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese, Mexican, whatever it is that you are. He is not concerned with that. He is no respecter of persons. You know what he does care about? Your faith. You know what he does respect? Your faith. He said, look, uh, we got to go preach somewhere else. I got to stay on track. Did these people have a need? Were they looking for him? Did they want him? But did he go? See, the reason why some of you get in entanglements is because you like being needed. It feeds an insecurity in you. You need to be needed. That's why you're in a relationship with a project. Because you need to be needed. You, ra- you absolutely enjoy the fact that they have to have you in their life. I don't want to be needed. I want to be wanted. So he said, oh, they're looking for me? Yeah, well, they'll get over it. Let's go. We're moving to the next thing. Focus. You want your faith to work, you got to get focused. You want your faith to work, you better understand you got a plate. You got a measure. You better manage that measure more than you manage anything else in your life. You, when you drive your car, you, listen, nobody has a car with no gas gauge in it. Right? When you drive your car, you know what the gas gauge says. Which for the life of me, I can't understand why y'all, some of y'all keep your car on empty. I don't even know what that's all about. But, you know, mine, I, I, don't, I don't let it get to E mess up your, oil, your, your fuel pump that way, but that's another subject. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is you measure your gas. You manage your gas, don't you? You know when you're empty, when you're getting close, right? A little light comes on. Bing! So then why do you let your faith get empty? If you're going to manage anything, you should be managing your faith. What's on my faith plate? You know how there's joy and peace in believing. You know how I know when I've gotten out of my measure? I'm losing my joy and my peace. When I start losing my joy and start losing my peace, when I, when I go from, you know, singing, I love you, Lord, to y'all going to make me lose my mind. I have just lost. Quit acting like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You have lost your joy. You have lost your peace. Therefore, you are no longer in. You have gotten outside of your. And this is where you got to go. You know what? I got to get back. So the phone rings and it's sister so-and-so and they, they got a gripe and a complaint. You're like, nah, uh, mm, can't do it today. Sorry. And you go back to, and then your kid comes in from school. Go to your room. And you, can't do this with you today. I can't. 
It's too, just too many people riding on me. There's too many things that are dependent upon me. There's too many outcomes that I'm mixed up in. There's too many things that I have on my faith plate. I, I'm believing God for too much to let you pull me off course. So I, I've got to stay focused and press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ. I got to know this is the plan that God has given to me and I can't let you take. It might be tomorrow when I have a little bit more time where I can deal with this, but it ain't today. Because today, I got to keep my mind right. I got to think on those things which are lovely. I got to think on those things which are pure. I got to think on those things which are right. I got to think on those things which are just. Because you don't understand the fight that I'm in the middle of. It looks easy to you because you ain't never carried the burden that I have to carry. So get off my back and start believing for yourself. And let's do something together. Can you imagine what one can do, but what two can do? Hey! <laughs> I got to feel it. He just likes running. <laughs> See, I'm at a place where I, 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 the consequences are too great. I need to produce. I need, when I dispatch my angels, I need them to go. I, I need them to bring back. I need God to give me the wisdom and to show me those that are led. See, listen, when you're led by the Spirit of God, you are not pushed by the Spirit of God. You are led by the Spirit of God. How do you get led when you are so stuck? You're thinking about everybody else's stuff. And the Holy Ghost is like, okay, I'm going to need you to go ahead and turn right. But Susie, her boyfriend is just, I'm going to use your turn left. Oh, God, Jimmy and all the nonsense that he's going through. How can I help? All these instructions are coming at you, and they're being drowned out by all the noise. And God's like, if you want to get your faith to work, you have got to get out of these weights that so easily beset you, that cause you to cry at night, that cause you to be the stuff that you shouldn't even have to deal. I have counseled people sometimes in relationships, and I'm like, do your husband really does this type of stuff to you? Your wife really puts you through this type of stuff? And then when, I, when they leave, I'm like, thank God for my wife. I'm like, baby, I, baby, I love you. Because if I had to put up with the stuff that other people have to go through and tolerate and permit in the name of love. I wouldn't be able to get nothing done. I'd be a wreck. There are certain things you should not have to put your faith on. You should not have to put your faith on whether or not your wife loves you. Your faith should not be on that. The basic stuff. All the earthly things. He said, I got to put my stuff on. We got to have certain things in order. I can't be having my faith to get up every morning. That's why God invented an alarm clock. If you can't get up, get two, three of them. Put them in different places. That way you got to get up and grab them. If you're that bad where you can get up and walk around and knock them all out and get back in bed, you have problems. Problems that I'm not sure Jesus can help you with. We have our set that our lights come on. 
we do in, in my in my bedroom. Uh, they're digital. So when my alarm goes off on my phone, all the lights come on. Right. <laughs> Hello. Oh. Morning. <laughs> See, what I'm trying to tell you is that's one of those things I take off of my plate. I found automation. <laughs> I, I really want y'all to get this. Am I getting this across? I found a way to automate so I don't have to put it on my faith plate. And I don't have to think about getting up because it's all set. Every day, it's set. Four o'clock in the morning, boom, lights come on. It's hard to sleep when all the lights are on. <laughs> what I'm trying to get you to understand is get rid of the entanglements. They're killing your faith. Stuff that you can handle with a little bit of money, just do it. You'd be shocked at some people who love to do what you hate to do. We had, we had these uh, maids. Uh, we have a different set of maids now, but these ones that came, man, they used to be walking through. They'd be singing. They had a music in their headphones. They'd be just bopping around the house. They'd sit down and eat lunch at my table, and they'd just, they just be having a grand old time. There are people who love to do what you hate to do. Because me, if you tell me I got to come clean your house, ain't no singing in it. I'm kicking everything you got. <laughs> our landscaper, man, he comes in and, I mean, he just makes our backyard beautiful. Front of the house, beautiful. I mean, he, he does the job, man. He gets, he comes in with his equipment on his back. He'd be getting it, blowing stuff all over the place. I'm thinking, thank God for you, sir. Because if I had to take care of these bushes, they would die. Entanglements. The stuff that just really is not necessary to be on your faith plate. Be pedantic about it. Finally, my brethren, <laughs> pay attention to what's on your faith. Pay attention to what you're believing God for. Pay attention to what's diluting your faith. And diluting and diluting your faith. Because when you need it to work, it's got to be there. When you step on the gas, you want it. And one of the reasons why it's not there is because it's spent in other places. Now you've got to go around and find out who's got it. Oh, you got some of my faith. Can I have it back, please? Uh-uh. My faith, punk. No, that's mine. <laughs> you just riding on it. Father God, we just thank you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Father, I thank you right now that you are the one true God. Your word tells us that we please you by faith. Father, we know that Jesus was given faith without measure, but we know that we are given it with measure. We know that you have given us, your word tells us, that every believer has been given a measure of faith. And so, Father, I thank you that whatever that measure is, we can grow it, we can uh, expand it, we, we can exercise it and get to a better place with it. But whatever we are, where we're all different places, that we begin to discern and to understand what measure of faith we have and how to manage it properly so that it will produce for us. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for the revelation. We thank you for the wisdom. These things we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said?
Amen.